Welcome back to the Charles Little Podcast. And of course, it's July, the last Monday, of, in fact, in July. So why not talk about NBA basketball? Because it has dominated the airwaves all the way up from, through the finals, through the NBA draft. And then, of course, NBA Twitter just went crazy for the last month with NBA free agency. Uh, Sam Presti thinking he's a genius. We're going to find out here, and I guess, when middle schoolers right now who are uh, going to go see their first PG-13 movie, and we'll see how that turns out for them in the next six. Uh, but however, as we are expecting, NBA dominated the, the summer. It was great. Uh, and we are back with the uh, Brunch Club podcast. Charles, welcome everybody uh, to the show. What's going on, sir? I mean, ball is life, man. Ball is life. There was no ball bouncing today, but it's all thought about so many possibilities with this upcoming season. So much has happened in the past month. Um, man, like, you know, I'm getting all this training camp coverage right now, but I just, I can't wait for this USA basketball training camp to start just so I can see some more, you know, some more basketball. So, you know, sorry, Patrick Mahomes, but still basketball season out here. It sure is. It sure is. And uh, as we welcome back uh, the, the rest of the brunch, brunch Club podcast, we hope everybody really enjoyed uh, what we did in terms of covering uh, the NBA in the summer as we're covering the Western Conference teams. And we had a few demands uh, to make sure we did to the East. So we welcome back uh, Eric Erdman and John Whaley back to the show. What's going on, fellas? Thanks a lot for having us, gentlemen. Really appreciate the opportunity. Really excited. Yeah, glad the first pod went well. And we're welcomed back. So thank you. Excellent, excellent. John, I know you had some beef uh, to make sure that we uh, either grill, squash, or whatever you want to do uh, as we missed the uh, second half of the pod uh, with the, for the Western Conference. Uh, the floor is yours, sir. Well, yeah, I don't know if there's any beef. This is, I think, maybe our ongoing beef, but I just noticed that you kind of slipped in some Chris Paul hate near the end of the last podcast after I had gone, uh, specifically saying, I believe, that other than shooting, Russell Westbrook was better at everything than Chris Paul, um, which I found surprising because I must have missed all of Russell Westbrook's uh, Defensive Player of the Year and all Defensive Team Awards, um, which I believe Chris Paul has a few of. Uh, and then you also went on to cite uh, Russ's playoff um, record, including his appearance in the finals. But uh, I feel like if Chris Paul got the opportunity to spend uh, the better part of a decade with Kevin Durant, he probably would have experienced a few finals, spectacular moments as well. So I just wanted to, you know, maybe for the future we can do a Westbrook versus Chris Paul battle, but just know that Team, team Chris Paul is out here and they hear everything. <laughs> Charles, are you hearing Team CP3 stands over here? One of the biggest, um, like, falsehoods in, in basketball is that Chris Paul is a good defender. He's not a good defender. He's a terrible on-ball defender. He just digs down and gets steals on big men and stuff. Like, he's not a good on-ball defender. Like, I was watching – Darren Williams was busting his ass when he started his career, and I've seen many, many players go for their career high with Chris Paul guarding them. He's a is, great help side defender. He's not a good on-ball defender. Is he a better defender than Russell Westbrook? Is that saying much? It's not saying much, but it does it does fall make sure Michael's claims fall short of that other than shooting Russell Westbrook is better. No, I'd say Chris Paul is a better defender. I'm not gonna I don't think either one of them is a horrible defender, but I'm just like I think when people talk about Chris Paul being like this all this, you know, all all time great, you know, on you know, defender, he's not he's he's a great help side defender, but he's not that good on the ball. It's too small. That's fair. That's very fair. I'm willing to concede the 
help side defending, which Russell has been known to stand in the corner as if he was actually already in the D'Antoni offense and not coming to, towards the help until it's time to get a rebound. I will, I will, will concede that. That's fair. Um, but I guess we can hold judgment until uh, June. Um, I still think that upon further review, uh, the Russell Westbrook contract, of people, according to, like, obviously people say that it may be a bad contract, the definition of such, and so it'll be interesting of when we actually do more analysis. But they, Houston just got a player that's four years younger, at least more athletic, and actually, uh, and gets along with their best player. And they've been friends since they were 10 years old. That's a good thing, because we all know that sometimes other players don't like to be coached by somebody that's not their coach. <clears throat> Blake Griffin... DeAndre Jordan, uh, and yet somehow Chris Paul and J.J. Redick actually became really good friends. But I can see that because J.J. Redick got a one-year $23 million deal because he played with Chris Paul and got all the open jumpers. So it's a very interesting. Where we're going to list Chris Paul in like the top 30, 40, 25 one day is going to be very interesting. And we will let uh, Counselor yeah. Whaley uh, pre- present the best case to us. He'll allow you that time so when it is time to hang him up for I appreciate it. I'm worried about Chris Paul, man. I'm worried about Chris Paul. Um, Same old anytime, anytime I see somebody with a workout video, and I've seen like four Chris Paul off-season workout videos, uh, <laughs> it, I'm just saying, like, if we go through the history of people Stop. with the workout videos, the shit doesn't translate well. Okay, do not compare the hoodie mellow season and the other banana boat. I'm, t- I'm not nice. talking about that. I'm talking about the, I'm talking about the Jason Tatum, Joel Embiid uh, situation as well. Okay, okay, we're not going to... I wouldn't I wouldn't hate too much on workout videos because I just saw a workout video of Andre Drumming hitting a step-back three, and so I'm putting all of my eggs into that basket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The Mo Bamba jumper was on fire last offseason. Listen, that? Drew, Drew just actually posted that uh, all of his clients, uh, between all of his clients, is the first time where they, you know, their cumulative earnings hit over a billion. Now, I think he's still counting Andrew Wiggins in that, which correct. I don't like slandering anything that Drew does. Uh, but we can see that in that workout video, if CP3 is actually getting any type of work in with Drew, uh, and let's say that twenty at the, at the 24-second slot and that, that move of him creating separation, I want to see more of that. That was that was nasty. I couldn't believe CP3 did that. So yeah, it was. That was, it was crazy. I couldn't I mean... Charles, I mean, have you seen anybody in a game do that? Like that was crazy, though. You have to get nah. The the, the footwork on that on that move was was impeccable. It was, Kobe would be proud to see that move. Um, I'm not even sure if you can do that move in the game. There are certain moves that you can only do in like a one on one scenario like that. I'm not sure if that's a. I don't know if that's game ready yet. You might just be playing with that right now. I'll say one thing on Chris Paul. Uh, I think his teams generally are better. They have better defensive ratings when he's out there than when he's off. Um, he has obvious athletic limitations, especially at this point in size limitations along with that. But I think generally teams are better with him defensively out there than not. And I think- touche. Touche, sir. Very true. Very true. Which I still – let me give CP3 this. His performance against the Spurs in that first one with a healthy Kawhi uh, in 2015 when he hit the shot, I think over Duncan. Yes, because it was Golden State's first. That's right, and we all just expected the Clippers actually to make the, the finals, but then we're not even to that, and them giving up a game six, 16-point lead and, uh, to Josh Smith, Charles Little's best friend in high school growing up, clearly. But, yeah, I don't know. a legend, Josh Smith. Oh, okay, sorry, we didn't put respect on his name. ATL legend, Josh Smith. 
and stealer and burglar of money from our Detroit Pistons, our <laughs> beloved Detroit Pistons. Burglar of money. Yes. Oh. It was a ridiculous move. Oh, my God. We'll talk about this later <laughs> on in terms of the pod and our cap. And our cap uh, where people are stealing money from us in the Pistons. We might as well just have Josh Smith Day like Bobby Bonilla Day. It's coming. It's so close. <laughs> it's almost over. Thank you, God. Uh, without further ado, we asked the fellas to uh, get their top eight Easter Conference teams. Uh, yes, there actually is basketball that is played uh, east of New Orleans. Uh, and we're going to bring it to you here. Uh, let's talk about them. Uh, we will go bottom to top. And then I want to actually pause and see, like, will this team have a better record? So we're going to add a little bit more spice to this. Um, the New York Knickerbockers finished 17-65 and 65 last year. Better record this year? Collectively, on three, yes or no? One, two, three? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. How many wins? I would, I, I'm going in like 22, 23 for New York. Yeah. I would say probably 20, between like 23 and 27. I think 25 is realistic. Charles? Yeah. Somewhere, somewhere between, um, I'm going to, I want to say 30. I'm thinking 30. I, I'm feeling like that all-power forward Jeez. lineup they're going to pull out is going to really turn some heads. I'm 30. being super sarcastic. Um, <laughs> it's a 27 for them. 27 for them. 27 wins for the Knicks. 10 plus wins, the all-power forward lineup. It is it's like a rotation. If you were to create the best small ball fives, fours, who are eighth yeah. men in the league, the Knicks won the free, the one, uh, free agency, if that was the case. It was yeah. talking about collection of that. That's a really tough division, too, for the Knicks. I mean, if they played in the Southeast, they, I'd feel better about getting them up to, like, 33 to 35, probably, even. I feel like the Knicks were collecting cards in, in a Magic game if you were going to play with friends in, uh, in an urban area. And then when you would go to the suburbs, knowing that you actually had to play the kids, you spent 50 bucks on Magic cards a week. And you know you couldn't win. That's just how I feel like the Knicks were going about things. They were just collecting things, just trying to make sure they were still in the game. It's ridiculous. Cleveland Cavaliers, 19 wins last year, 63 losses. New coach, John Beeline. Um, I on three, winning more games. One, two, three. No. No. Yes. Why yes, Eric? I think they'll hit like 20 or 21. <laughs> worst, um, are they the worst team in the league? Are they worse I than the Suns now? Yeah. I think that Cleveland, I don't know. I think Charlotte's right down there. Charlotte or Cleveland would be uh, interesting or maybe a, a really uninteresting debate. Um, but, but I think that they're going to hit 20, um, assuming that love will play a little bit more. They're really bad, but um, yeah, I think they'll just, they'll get some resting wins near the end of the year. And I think they'll break that threshold, but it'll probably be really close. John, worst team in the league. Yeah, I think they are. I, I would be like extremely shocked if Kevin Love is on that team by the end of the year. Um, Calendar year uh, or season? Season. Okay. Um, probably. I mean, I would think he goes before the All-Star game, but definitely before the trade deadline. Um, and, I, you know, I just – and we'll talk about this a little more later when we talk about them. They have a lot of pieces that they can move away on expiring contracts. So I really think – you know, there's there's maybe one or two teams that really truly embrace like um, tanking this year, and they will definitely be one of them. So yeah, I, I think you know maybe they pick up some early wins with Love still playing and being healthy, but 
know, eventually they're going to get rid of all of their veterans and just give Colin Sexton and Darius Garland the keys, and it's going to be really ugly down the stretch. Yeah, I think Sexton was one of the five worst players in NBA, I think, last year. Um, in terms of efficiency? Yeah, I think in terms of off-on or real plus-minus. Um, yeah, he was the worst defender, I think. Him and Trey Young were the two worst defenders in the NBA. Common for young point guards. Um, they're going to be atrocious defensively. Uh, I just think that they're going to have enough with love to hit. I mean, we're talking about 20 There's a difference between that. But they're, they, they, I think, are probably the Ugh, I don't like hearing that for my man, Johnny B. But, oof, I feel like you're right. I'm going to just go ahead and say this. I think the Hornets actually will be the worst team. But uh, we'll fast forward. I just want to make sure we covered those kind of bottom guys. Uh uh, very quickly, Wizards, yes or no? Don't forget the wins. Playoffs, yes or no? God, no. No. Chicago Bulls, no. no. Frisky, on the border. I got. I have him picked as my 19th. Yikes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I kind of like what Chicago I like, did this I like marketing. Yep. I like their team. They got marketing. They got Otto Porter, uh, uh, Wendell Carter. Zach like Levine, Kobe. I mean, they got talent. They got they got bodies. They got players. If they can put it together, and Kobe White can lead them, uh, they got a chance to sneak in there. But I'm gonna think of. I think I think of the Bulls in the same way. I think of the Kings. Ah, uh, that's a great fair comparison. Yep. Yeah, like they're gonna be fun to watch. Could maybe win like a couple West Coast games on a trip, but then like lose four in a row, and then maybe come home and win two. Uh, I don't. I mean, definitely not a 500 team. No, yeah. I don't, maybe like no. mid 30s, best case scenario. Yeah. yeah, and we'll definitely do an over under when it when it's time to do that, and we'll give out some winners for folks. So, uh, as that comes time, so definitely are we all out on the Hornets not making the playoffs? Yeah, they're not making it. Yeah, I love you, Michael Jordan. <laughs> Charles, no. what do you, what do you want? What do you want, Michael? It was, I love the jokes that actually happened. That uh, Jordan Gray getting Zion was the best uh, free agent move Michael's ever made. <laughs> Zion coming to Jordan Brand. What are your first of all, Charles? Give us some. Harry uh, Rozier for three years. Is it fifty nine on... million? Yeah, yeah. seven. Oof. I mean, you're banking on Terry Rozier and, and Miles Bridges to be your core, and I don't. I mean, Miles Miles Bridges is six five. I don't know how that works at the wing. Um, what do you mean? Are we you still waiting? Are we still waiting for? Or at the at the four? You mean what? What do you mean? He's a he's too small to even play the three. Like he doesn't have a real position. Yikes! You're on that. You're on that train. You don't think he can improve? He's he looks better. I don't. That's league. not what I said. I th- I think he I think he has potential. I think he can be a great sixth seventh man for somebody. But I don't think you need to be counting on him to you know really turn it around. Um, same you know same goes for Malik Monk. Young guys that in in different situations might be able to give you something, but in this situation where they're dependent upon, I don't know about that. John, where are you at on Miles Bridges? Um. I still really like him. I think he maybe hasn't quite taken as big of a step as I would have liked since he got drafted. But, I mean, he has all of the intangibles that you want for a wing guy. Like, he can shoot the ball. He's athletic. You know, I think I think he is a bit undersized, but his athleticism is can make up for that a bit. Oh, God, um, yes. I mean, the dude throws down nasty dunks, which is always fun to watch. So, I don't know. I don't ever... He's not going to be a star. He's never going to make an all-star game. But, I mean, I think he's going to have, a, you know, a long career in the NBA as a six or seven guy, um, maybe a starter for um, a good rotational team that just needs a athletic wing. I have a, I have a question for Charles. So if you were the Hornets right now, 
would you rather have Michael Jordan in his current iteration in your front office or playing on your team 20 to 25 minutes a night? <laughs> <laughs> um, he couldn't play. I mean, he, he's, still, I, he's still better than Andrew Wiggins right now. <laughs> So yeah, I mean, yeah, like I think, yeah, he couldn't play any defense, but MJ on the block might might contribute more than uh, MJ in the front office could. Oh, man, tough, tough times to be Michael Jeffrey Jordan. Oh man, great question. Oh, John. I don't think I don't think I don't think Jordan's had a hard day in his life since '84. Yeah. Well, this divorce, I'm sure, didn't, <laughs> he couldn't have been happy about any, getting anybody, a half. Anybody who goes by the nickname Black Jesus never had a bad day. Can I can I push that off past like '98 maybe? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and his dad died in '93. Yeah, come on, Charles. Oh, it's a bad. All right, real technical here. Okay, (laughs) (laughs) fair enough. Uh, I think we're getting close to the teams. In fact, it was interesting that you made the comparison of the Bulls to the Kings, which I actually think this next team is a better comparison, and that's the Atlanta Hawks. Okay, playoffs on three, one, two, three. No, no, no. Close. Or are we talking a year or two um, away? Yeah, at least a year. Eric, I think they're going to be... Speak more Okay. I think they... Them and the Bulls are similar. I think they're going to end up being within four or five games of each other and maybe like the 10th, 11th spots. And uh, I'm not a huge Trey Young guy either. I think that they have pretty good solid depth, probably top 10, you know, top 8 to 10 in the NBA as far as young cores. But they don't have the horses, I don't think, to get over the playoff line. Uh, and it's going to be maybe I, I would say probably at least, um, but they got some backup depth for Trey too. But they they they're they're going to be fine. But I don't they're going to need to make a leap that I don't think they're capable of making this season. I mean, yeah, and let's not forget that they have some great young pieces, but the veterans on their team are Chandler Parsons, Evan Turner, and Alan Crabb. So it's not like they're coming in throwing heavy punches with some of their older guys. Yeah, they've got a guy named Charlie Brown apparently. Charlie Brown Jr. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. Charles, you are... I feel like John Collins John Collins made his jump last year. I feel like what we got last year from John Collins is probably like the best version of him. And I'm not, I'm just not a believer in Trey Young. I think it's it's very entertaining basketball, but it's not winning basketball. So you're definitely still in the camp of Luke, uh, the Mavs did the right thing in terms of the Luka for more or less Trey Young and Cam Reddish? Hell yeah. And twice on Sunday. Mm. Let's talk in two years. We'll figure it out. I here's my uh, prediction. I think the Hawks make the playoffs before the match. Wow! That's because I think it's easier in the East, and you just never know yeah. how the shakeups going to happen. Um, I like that. Yeah. Well, I don't I have the Mavs going that's... to the playoffs this year. So we know you I probably have them in the Western Mike. Conference Finals versus the Lakers. <laughs> we know. We, we appreciate you. You would five thirty eight, Charles. First time All Star, Luka Doncic. I tell you. Yeah, how's the unicorn doing on the ACL? Have you heard? Doing fine. He was he was practicing at the end of the, uh, last year. He's gonna be just fine, man. Don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry about the sixth guy. Don't worry. Okay, fair enough. Let's keep it moving. Uh, the next, um, this team did not make the playoffs, but let's. I think we all can agree. Us smart basketball minds, not from Boston, uh, would say that they actually got a top fifteen player in the world. Uh, the Miami Heat and the Eric Spolstra led team on three playoffs one two three yes 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 he are in the playoffs i agree and who are they taking out you first eric uh i've got them taking out Detroit. 
Oh, I knew you were going to say it, Charles, but what about you? I got him taking out the Pistons as well. And John? That's a mistake. Yes, it is a mistake. That's right. And John, who do you have know. the Heat replacing? I wrote I wrote down my eight teams this year. I, for, I don't even remember. I blacked out the East playoffs from last year, so I don't even know who was in it. Okay. <laughs> well, let's say this. Uh, let's uh, – I have the Heat taking the Orlando Magic spot. I – I don't see – I think everything had to go right for Orlando with their guards. Once again, I can't trust a team that is giving so much time to DJ Augustine in crutch time. That's just still unfathomable. Um, and so I have them – and I feel like Orlando has a, just a little better log jam at the front court than the Knicks do. Um, and we're going to have to have the conversation about Mobamba. I'm not sure if I, – I don't know where this future is in Orlando with – with Gordon Vucevic, obviously. Uh, I just don't know if there's enough room. Uh, and as we know, I think they're going to play Jonathan Isaac. at the. At the it appears they're going to play him at the four, which is a great spot. I love Jonathan Isaac, by the way. But uh, but still, just something seems off with Orlando. I just don't see how they could. I feel like everything went right for them to win 42, win, 42 games. So I have the heat taking Orlando. I'm, change, I'm changing my opinion. I'm going to say the, the magic out and the Pistons in. I forgot the Pistons got D-Rose. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. Very good, sir. Very my, good. My entire reason for not picking the Pistons was Reggie Jackson, but D Rose is going to have his spot, so I can go. I'm good with that. All right. So yeah, you were mad about here. It is Orlando that I have them taking out. Very good. So it looks like we are now. Let's just talk about the order of things, because now it looks like we have the East. Uh, are we all in on the Pistons being the eight seed again? Yeah, yes. me. So I got them as my eight. Eric, yeah, I got nine. And you have them out, John. We, um, I, I have them as the um, six seed. Okay. Um, and so Orlando's out in your version. I'm just, do you have Orlando as the eight then, Eric, for you? I do, by a hair over Detroit. Speak more about why. Okay. So Detroit, I think I think they're over-unders 37 and a half. I think that actually went low, but I do think they're going to end up right around 39, 40. I basically think Orlando, and they picked up a rotation player in Tony Snell, who actually might start for them. Yes, he will. Um, mm-hmm. They've got some decent depth, and, and Demboya apparently projects pretty well. So I like Detroit, um, and I might maybe I'm talking myself into picking them. I guess I don't know with with Blake's health if I, I I can't really trust that. I think him and Drummond are fine. I don't know how much Rose has left, and um, I think uh, I think this is their last year with. Reggie Jackson, um, that's probably pretty good. I just, I, as, far as, as far as Orlando goes, um, I think if, if Augustine, if they get, I mean, literally anything from Fultz, which day by day seems maybe a little bit less likely, so I may regret this one, but I like the Magic's front core. They have a glut of forwards. I think they can make do as long as uh, DJ Augustine, the world's most most powerful man stays healthy. Fournier is okay. They've got, they brought Terrence Ross back. It's a shout out for Jesse. Um, they got Terrence Ross back. Um, they've got Birch and Kiki in the wings. Uh, I think. I mean, Aminu will help them defensively. Uh, I'm a little a sneaky pickup for them. I agree. I think uh, you know Isaac Gordon and Vucevic could potentially all play together, uh, three through five. Um, they can run offense, and you know Vucevic is. A, they can run offense through him. I think that they're gonna be. They're gonna max out as like a six through eight seed with that core. 
Um, but I think they'll be solid with Clifford. I don't know if they'll be. I hope they can kind of maintain, you know, that what they're able to do defensively. Sometimes I think teams have dropped off with him after a year or so. I'm a little concerned with the pick. I think Detroit Orlando coin, but I'll just give Orlando the benefit of the doubt and then have them uh, wiped out by Milwaukee in the first round, hopefully. So Heat is the seven, it sounds like. I've got Heat at seven. Yeah, Heat are my seven. John? I have the Heat as the uh, five seed. Oh, and so who do you have at the seven and six, sir? Um, so, well, my or back six end. Pistons, excuse me. Yeah. Um, so I have uh, Toronto as the eight seed, Brooklyn as the seven seed, Pistons as the six seed, Miami as the five seed. Wow. So let's let's touch on Brooklyn for a chance there. Hearing that, Charles, uh, how far, how high do you have Brooklyn? And then what are your thoughts on uh, John picking them around seven? I mean, I have him as my six. Um I mean, it all depends on Kyrie. I feel like if he if he assimilates um, well with with Dinwiddie and and Karis LeVert, they definitely got something. Um, they could get as high as as the three seed, in my opinion. But mm. given how are the drinks in Atlanta tonight? All I, I said best case scenario, but given the fact that all three of those guys are injury prone, I can't see them all playing a bunch of games together, and that's where they fall in right around that six seed. All right, fair enough. Uh, the Raptors. On the eight, Eric, provide your thoughts on uh, hearing which, uh, hearing that from John and how, how do you I, have Toronto? I think John's a little low on the Raptors. Maybe he's assuming that they're going to trade away Lowry and or Gasol. Um, but with what they have, first of all, I've got Brooklyn at six. Yeah, um, I do too. I've got uh, Toronto as the five. And the reason is they, had, they were very good uh, record-wise when Kawhi sat. I think he missed. 22 games and i think they went 17 and 5 when he was out um they were a very good team even without him um so they were going to start lowry norman powell siakam Ibaka, and gasol they'll play Ibaka and gasol probably more together that was effective at times in the playoffs they've got og coming back uh van vliet and then pat mccaw that's a pretty decent eight oh yeah um, I think, I mean, they won, you know, their, their win percentage without Kawhi was very, very good. Um, would have been like, you know, I mean, if you average that out, you know, they would have been a top two or three seed even without him. Um, not that they could have held that off, but I just think they're good. They're solid. And the only way you could almost pick them to go below, you know, at the bottom of the East is kind of assuming that one or two of those guys isn't going to, he's either going to get injured or is going to get traded which is possible so if you build if you bake that in a little bit i could see them sneaking in as opposed to being a solid playoff team in the east i've got them as a solid playoff team though with yeah. everything all things considered so for to me john how does uh, your five and four shake out um yeah so well miami is the five indiana's the four i'm sorry who's your five i missed that miami miami's the five as we said in, in uh you have Indiana's the four. Okay, then that lets us in. Uh, in your four, Charles, who's your four seed? My four is the Celtics. Ooh. Okay. And John, or excuse me, Eric, and you have uh, the Pacers at four or Boston? I have Indiana at four. Okay, as do I. Uh, wow! It sounds like my boy Charles is in on the Pacers' uh, backcourt bandwagon. Then, uh, and Charles, uh, with that being said, let's uh, go with our. Um, your top three then? My top three. I got Pacers at three, Bucks at two, Sixers at one. Al Horvath's going to make all the difference. Eric Erdman, your top three. <laughs> I've got Boston 
at three. I've got Philly at two. And I've got the Milwaukee Bucks, numero uno, in the East. And I would probably throw out number one regular in the entire league. Oh, again, back-to-back President's Cup champions if we had to do it uh, from a hockey uh, perspective. And, John, what about you? Um, yeah, I have Boston three, Philly two, Milwaukee one as well. Okay. And I'm here. I think Milwaukee will be the one as well. And I actually think they actually go back to back with the President's Cup because the West just got that so much harder uh, with Clippers and Lakers. And it's prime for somebody in the East. I don't see somebody getting the 60 wins. I, I think it's going to be very difficult. Yeah. I don't think anyone's projected to hit it. I think the Bucks are leading it for the mo- some some. It's either Philly or Milwaukee. And I think I haven't seen any predicting sixty above. Charles, you're the only one who had uh, the Sixers as uh, taking over as the one seed. Uh, it sounds it looks like you've been watching uh, too much uh, Ben Simmons uh, workouts and uh, his shooting form. I, I, those those actually gave me uh, less confidence. Um, <laughs> no, like I said, I think Al Horford's going to get Joel's ass in shape once the season starts, and he's really going to be on him and, and show him how to be a professional. As much as, you know, they had J.J. in the locker room as their vet, I think uh, Al Horford has a, has a whole totally different presence um, than J.J. has, and uh, he's going to be able to whip those guys into shape and, and, and teach them how to, like, like I said, be professionals on a day-in, day-out basis, and I really think that'll help. Okay, fair enough. Looks like I'll have it here, I think, uh, as we get to September. Um, right before uh, preseason, we'll come back and uh, give us uh, some specific over-unders and uh, make some people some money out there. Uh, as we know, we have uh, who are, if Eric throwing something back out to you, who are your top three league pass teams in the East? Taking the Bucks out of it and your uh, personal love for them. Oh, okay. I think the Hawks will be a fun league pass team. Uh, Trey Young will be fun. Uh, see what kind of development he has in his second season. Uh, they'll just be fun. They've got you know some fun small forwards who I don't think are going to be particularly effective, but kind of see how they might project over their career. Uh, I think that I I don't love saying this, but I think that the Celtics will be fun in the sense that uh, Kemba Walker will be able to sort of almost play a little bit different than he did in Charlotte. Sure. But still be able to utilize his strengths because he's such a good offensive player. And what I mean by that is he'll probably play less pick and roll. But, you know, I guess in terms of if you're a Brad Steens guy, this is a great regular season to find anecdotes for why he might be a really good coach if he can get a lot out of Walker in different uh, scenarios than how Charlotte used Kemba. Um, so I think, and I think that it'll be fun to watch how Jalen Brown and Tatum kind of get back into their, uh, development as more of the lead guys. So I think Boston will be fun as well. Uh, the third choice, the Sixers or the Pacers, both partially because I think they'll both be successful. I'll pick the, the Sixers. Uh, the, if the Pacers had Oladipo healthy the entire season, pick them yes. especially with all their, their new additions, but He's going to miss a lot of time, um, so it's basically getting some good players, relatively good players, acclimated to Indy. I think they'll be solid, but maybe not as fun for league pass. So I think if I can't pick the Bucks, I'll pick the Sixers. Uh, just incorporating, looks like what they want to do, the two big lineup, uh, and then and, you know further development on Embiid and Simmons, and see how Richardson fits in, and Tobias is kind of fun. So I would say, uh, and they're going to be a really successful regular season, barring serious injuries. So I'll say Sixers, Celtics, and um, 
Hawks. Okay. Sort of the, the non-playoff division, the Hawks. I think the Bulls are fun, too, but I'll, I'll leave them outside the top. John, your favorite league pass teams coming into the season? Um, well, Mr. I definitely disagree with Philadelphia. That's going to be, like, the most boring team to watch in all of league pass. <laughs> like, I think it'll be interesting, interesting to see how that team comes together because they're definitely a championship contender but they're going to contend by giving up 60 points a game and then hopefully scoring 65. It's it's going to be, you know, it's it's going to be winning basketball, but it's not going to be exciting. Yes. Um, so I definitely agree that Atlanta is a league pass team. Um, I also would agree that Boston is probably a, a league pass team. Um, it'll be really interesting to see, uh, like Eric said, with Kemba having some more freedom and like a team around him. Um, and then if Tatum and Brown can get some of that magic back that they had when there was, you know, kind of no one above them. And then obviously it'll be really interesting to see if Hayward can bounce back too. Um, I mean, he's a huge part of their success going forward. And so um, depending on what he does this year will be really interesting to see. And then um, I guess my final team would be Brooklyn. Uh, you know, there's so many questions surrounding that team, especially as they get prepared for like, you know, this is like a trial run before KD comes, so they have a lot of pieces that they need to integrate, um, and it can be really fun. Like Kyrie and um, Levert as your backcourt is, you know, could be really, really, really good. And um, then DeAndre Jordan, even though he's not as good as Jared Allen, um, but apparently he's going to start over him, uh, throwing down dunks. So that would be my three: Brooklyn, um, Atlanta, and Boston. Can I respond 10 seconds uh, on Please. the uh, shot at Sixers? So I agree. As far as as far as far style of play, I'm excited to see what Ben Sins does. Um, I want to see him sort of take over games uh, from an athletic and physical perspective more often in the regular season uh, because he's got that one such clear deficiency, but he's such an overpowering presence in every other way potentially that I think it'd be fun to see him sort of really assert control in the regular season and get used yes. to doing that and it's kind of similar with Embiid if he comes in great shape I think it'd be fun to see him in really good shape okay and, I mean obviously his minutes will be monitored but I think it'd be really fun to see two guys with top end talent like that really start to assert themselves a little bit more especially with Butler out of the way so maybe it's less stylistic to me as far as entertainment but I think Simmons can be fun with fast breaks and transition even though he can't shoot so that's sort of my thought behind Philly <laughs> Charles, some thoughts on uh, the, those top three, sir, and the, for your lead pass watchers? I mean, my three, I'm going to go with the Bulls, um, young players. Um, they got the finisher. Uh, I want to see what Wendell Carter is going to do. I think Kobe White was the steal of the draft, so they're going to be exciting to watch. They're going to get up and down. Um, they got a lot of athletes, like I said, with Zach Levine out there. Um, second, I'm going to go Miami, uh, Jimmy Buckets, Dragic, uh, Bam. I think it's going to be a good time down in Miami. Um, love, to, can't wait to see Jimmy in the South Beach jersey. Um, and my third one, I'm going to go with the Knicks solely off the fact that I want to see what R.J. Barrett's going to do on a night in, night out basis. Um, just kind of track his progression. So I'm, I'm going to be tuned in on the Knicks just to see what he does. So, um, and then like I said, him playing a point with those four power forwards out there. I uh, can't wait to see uh, Julius Randle playing in two guards. So um, <laughs> we're going to see what see what has got on the sleeve. Is Frank Nitty Kitty? That's what I call him, just because I don't mess around with him. And I have a, <laughs> Frank always, Smokes? For one Frank year old, always, so I just call him Smokes. Nitty Kitty. Uh, is he in the NBA in a, in two years? Yeah. 
I don't know. Miritich went back and played for Barcelona. Uh, Brinis was playing for Barcelona. I could definitely see um, Frankie Smokes back in like France playing for the best team in the French league. By choice, by choice, or by necessity. I think he's. I, I, I would say. I would say by necessity. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's true. He could go back. I would say maybe more by choice. <laughs> what an interesting dilemma they have going on up there. My goodness. Um, Charles, I think we have to start this uh, line of questioning for you uh, because you are so high on the Sixers and for some reason you think that Joel Embiid's not going to like Chick-fil-A anymore and it's for, <laughs> it's for milkshakes. Uh, but his counterpart, um, I, in my opinion, I think it's top five pressure maybe in the league uh, with Ben Simmons because he didn't make a jump from the, his first year to the past year and he didn't make a jump. We need to see him make just one more jump and that's from a... Uh, a shooting perspective. So, Ben Simmons, five years, $170 million, uh, or Jamal Murray, five years, $170 million. Where are you at on that? Uh, ben Simmons at his 170. I'm not, I'm not the biggest Jamal Murray fan. Uh, I know he played well in the, uh, in the playoffs, especially uh, down the stretch in some of those uh, San Antonio games. But uh, he's, he's a little undersized for, for his position. Um, he remind any, and, I think what, uh, when they're playing with Jokic, that that some like that in some way kind of masks the fact that he's a volume at, at his core he's a volume shooter. Um, I, I honestly like Gary Harris more on the off of the Nuggets and what they do than I like Jamal Murray um, personally. So like I think he's a good piece, but for for what the Nuggets need him to be, which is their second best player, I'm not sure if that's like the move for him. I think I think of him like almost in the same vein as like uh, as like Chris Middleton almost. Like you're not if he's your second best player, you're not. What are you going to get out of that if he's your second best player? That's a great one, Eric Jamal Murray, Mister Team Canada, or Mister Australian, who's actually not playing for the Australian team, which I think is a huge mistake. Or Ben Simmons. I would take Ben Simmons long term. Uh, I again with Murray, he a streaky scorer who needs the ball in his hands. He like Charles said, he's a little smaller, but I don't believe is a is a superior athlete or and i'm not aware that he has some super long wingspan or something that can sort of make up for that uh he's 22 i believe uh from all indications he's a hard worker so getting paid probably isn't gonna mean that he's just gonna kind of hang him up a little bit uh i think simmons projects longer term as sort of a guy that you can win with better as a foundational piece, and some of that has to do probably because the a little bit easier to win in. Um, his one deficiency is probably the biggest deficiency, the two of them, but he's so kind of unique with his size, his ball handling, his speed, uh, that he can be put into position seed a little bit more okay. on offense, almost off the ball too, uh, and he just has to kind of accept that that might be better for him as far as career, but also playing on a winning team as far as setting screens and getting in the dunker spot and posting up a little bit more, but he's such a force that he can, I mean, he can always assert that on the defensive end. I think he can really help you uh, if he's used correctly or if they kind of switch up how they use him. I'm not sure that Murray is a foundational, not foundation. He's, he's going to be particularly helpful for long-term winning basketball. Uh, I think he's got some physical limitations to that, and he's not at this point a good enough shooter to be a, a huge value add, especially at, at high volume, at least not yet. So I'd pick Simmons, and I also think there will always be a 
a good trade market for a guy like Simmons where people will talk themselves into thinking he's not being used correctly if Philly doesn't achieve as much as they want to achieve this year. So I think he could actually get more. You get more for Ben Simmons than Jamal Murray if, uh, you know, rubber hits the road. So I think I would take Ben Simmons on that deal. John, where are you at with uh, Murray and Simmons right there? Yeah, I'd take Simmons too. Yeah, I think okay. For, for all the reasons, you can Murray's on a good team that fits his game well, but you can build a team around Simmons. So. All righty. I think we're all set on that. Uh, I'm surprised. Um, I think because of where you guys have Denver uh, slotted um, in the harder West, but um, here's hoping Ben does improve because his skill set, everything about it is – very close to baby Braun. Like he shooting is clearly his deficiency, but he excels in almost every single thing outside of that. Um, but, and that thing that, but you've got to be able to guard him set where he's got to make himself guardable from 17 feet and out, uh, coming up soon. And same thing with Giannis. Those are, these are big summers for both of them. I think one is going to be more confident in playoff series. And I think that's why, uh, Milwaukee will get past uh, Philly, but that's another talk for another time. John, we wanted you to be able to catch people up. I, we call you our resident capologist, and we were gonna. This is a little game. We're gonna talk about uh, hell, purgatory, and heaven, and we'll give uh, the, those bottom three in terms of you'll be able to talk about like where uh, teams are from a financial perspective. Um. Yeah. So I did a five, five, five for each, and I'll kind of just go through why. Um, I, what each category really is, but we can start with the heavens because those are easy to knock off. And I mean, these are basically teams that have cap space, um, flexibility to make moves this year, and then like lots of pieces that they can move going forward to give them um, even more space and more flexibility. So basically, they're teams that could be completely different, not only next year, but within the season. Um, so the five I have. Uh, that are in cap heaven are Atlanta, Memphis, New Orleans, New York, uh, the Knicks, and then my beloved Utah Jazz. Oh, um, yeah. So the Jazz. Why? Yeah. And, so and Charles, are you hearing that? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, the Jazz are actually under the cap by 1.7 million, which makes them one of the very few teams that actually is under the cap. Um, most teams are over the cap, but under the tax. Uh, Jazz actually are under the cap. Um, they have a couple of expiring contracts. Um, Mike Conley will obviously pick up his player option next year, which is a big one. Um, Ed Davis will be interesting. He has a player option for next year. Okay. Then they pick, they they have a team option for Mitchell. Obviously, they'll pick up. Um, but then, other than that, a lot of their younger, uh, the lower paid guys. Um, you know, they have Moutier, Jeff Green, Tony Bradley. Uh, a lot of those guys are going to be gone next year. So, you know, for being a team that's under the cap with all of those expiring contracts, it just puts them in a really good situation. And it's, you know, it's kind of unique. They have they have their core locked up with still some flexibility to go out and, you know, create looks like about 10 to $15 million for next offseason on top of already being under the cap, which gives them probably about $45 million to spend under the tax next year. Um, so... They have, I don't know if they have max cap room next summer, but they definitely um, have the space to, in what's going to be a really weak 2020 free agency, to attract uh, one or two, you know, solid mid-level players. Okay. 
Give, um, us, give us some notables that were more notable from the heaven perspective. Deep dive there. Yeah, well, and then yeah, the the I'll just do Atlanta and Memphis just because they're the same thing. Where they both have really good young cores, and I think both teams have like their three highest paid players are all expiring. So both teams are going to either uh, be able to make trades this season, sending those veterans to uh, some contenders who are looking to give away some future picks for a chance to win now, um, or that money is coming off the book this off season and they'll have plenty of money to uh, play with on the off season. Um, so yeah, Atlanta and Memphis, like, by far the brightest futures in the NBA. Um, so yeah, Atlanta's 5.8 million under the cap. And then I think Memphis is 8.9 under the tax. Um, so they both still have a lot of money to play with, with a lot of expiring. So it's, um, it's pretty good to be the uh, fan of those teams um, going forward. You're hearing that Charles ATL is on the rise, man. When are you going to stop denying it? You know, what's coming. Um, it's maybe it's because I live here and I didn't realize until I moved down here how irrational Hawks fans are. Um, like I'll, I, I was sitting, I was sitting the other day somewhere and some guy was like, was yelling about like how, uh, how he was mad that Anthony Davis didn't want to come to the Hawks. I'm just, just like, <laughs> what? Like just shit like that. Like what, why couldn't we get Kawhi? Like, are you serious right now? Um, no. They got they got a cap. They're gonna have their their flexibility and, and all that stuff. But I still just can't see like, you know, I'm taking my talents to to the A. I just don't see that happening. And right in the middle, John, where are we uh, with some of with uh, those five teams? I'm sorry, what was that? With Purgatory, uh, where the where do our five teams lie there? So the um, five Purgatory teams, and I did the Purgatory teams are teams that are kind of in some uh, struggles with the cap, but. Uh, could make some moves um, or they're in struggles with the cap and it's worth it. So, you know, they can be there. So yeah, the five purgatory teams are Cleveland, Denver, Detroit, Oklahoma city, and Washington. Washington purgatory, huh? Even with the worst, worst, worst contract in the NBA, which we know is to be John wall, but is it, are you recounting maybe potentially they may uh, get a, um, what is it? I forget exactly what the tag is that the lead gives them. Uh, is it injury exception uh, with John Wall? Yeah, they'll get an injury exception this year. Um, but if you look at their team, um, Bradley Beal is still one of the value contracts in the NBA, so they could very easily trade him for some pieces. And then they have um, Jan Mahimi, CJ Miles, and David Davis Bertrands, who are each on expiring contracts. Um, and those three, yeah, those three players alone amount to $30 million. Um, so if they could figure out a way to get off those contracts, that would open up a lot of space. Um, so right, you know, right now they only have 103 million committed in, uh, 2020 through 2021. So, you know, their books are okay going forward. Obviously it's hard to build around John Wall, but you know, if they move Beal and get rid of all those contracts, they do have some space to play with going forward. Um, so that's kind of why they're in purgatory. Things don't look great, but they can do something to get out of it if they need to. And how is Cleveland uh, in the in the purgatory perspective? Yeah. So as as I mentioned um, last time, Cleveland Cleveland was the highest, but Portland has taken that mantle now, um, and we'll we'll be talking about Portland in a second. Oh boy. But, um, yeah, so Cleveland is in um, cap purgatory. I believe they are – let me pull up my stats real quick. Um, 
I believe they're over by five million over the tax, and because they're in the repeater, so they, like they're repeating this terrible, terrible team. So their tax payment right now would be eleven point four million dollars for this team. Okay. Um, but so the tax only calculates at the end of the year. So even though like Kevin Love being on contract this year, if he doesn't finish the season, they, the only thing that counts towards their tax is what he, they paid him up until he was traded. And as I already mentioned, I'd be amazed if he's on this team. Um, also, they have until August 1st, so they have two more days. Did I don't know. Did they already waive um, uh, J.R. Smith? Yes. Okay, so, okay, so then that'll, that'll reduce that tax payment. And then they also have Tristan Thompson, Brandon Knight, Jordan Clarkson, John Henson, Matthew Delavandova, all on expiring contracts. Um, or at least in the last year of what they owe those players. Oh, great. Um, and so, you know, that's that's enough. That gets them, you know, definitely enough money for a max player. If they move love, they have enough for two max players going forward. Um, at that point, their only player who wouldn't be on their rookie contract is Larry Nance Jr. Um, so, yeah, they're, you know, obviously paying the tax for a team that I think won't even win 20 games is not a great situation. But, again, they have a lot of pieces that they can move uh, to change that. That's good education on that front. Uh, and I can't wait for uh, Charles to get some feedback on give some feedback on these. But uh, the five teams that are in hell, according to the capologist. Yeah. Um, and before we move on from purgatory, this is the last year that the Detroit Pistons would be playing Josh Smith and Reggie Jackson. So that's. Twenty-three million dollars off the books for those two idiots. Um, well, when I when I saw um, Josh when we played pickup a couple weeks ago, he appreciates that Detroit money because his car reflected it. Yeah, he pulled up in a Bentley, and uh, I, I could tell it, it looked like Jesus. it was Stan Van Gundy's money he, he was riding in. He's definitely laughing all the way to the bank. And Michael Michael will uh, uh, attest to. As soon as free agency started, I don't remember what year we signed him, but the first thing I texted Michael was, if we sign uh, Josh, I will be so mad. Yes. And, um, yeah. and then we went and did it. He's still, so he's right now at one, two. He's our seventh highest player on the on the Pistons roster. <laughs> <laughs> so. Oh, dear. We Oh, this will be great. I'm, Dwayne Casey is didn't even get a chance to coach Josh Smith. God bless him. <laughs> Yeah, I gave him ten million. As Jalen, as Jalen Rose says, uh, he's an MVP at the bank. Yep, <laughs> no question. <laughs> Community credit union, whatever you want, he's getting those. He's getting those checks. You know what, Josh? This will be a perfect time for us to be able to say, "Keep getting those checks." Fuck no, we can't wait till those checks are off your books, brother. <laughs> Get out of here. They and our nice. our five teams in hell, sir. So yeah, hell, I actually cheated. I did six um, because two of them I just couldn't pick between because they're in the same situation. Um, but it's Golden State, Miami, Orlando, Portland, and then Houston, Philly was the split that I couldn't couldn't really pick which one. Why Houston, Philly? So Houston, Philly are both basically um, they're both under the tax, which is why they weren't an easy selection to be in hell. Um, but they are both completely set for what their teams are going to be. Um, the only expiring contract worth anything on either of those teams is Eric Gordon, and I don't see him moving. But, um, you know, Philadelphia is basically locked up. The first contract they have coming off the books is Mike Scott in 2021. Um, the rest of it, I mean, they already have $149 million committed in 2021-2022. Wow. So that's, I mean, that's three wow. years down the road. 
Um, so yeah, they're, I mean, yeah, they're not doing anything. And same thing with Houston. Um, I think we know who gets most of Houston's money right now. Um, so, and then you have, you throw in the Clint Capella and Eric Gordon contract. And, um, I mean, yeah, basically up until 2022, 2023, the Houston Rockets, uh, that year they will owe over a hundred million dollars just to Capella, Harden and Westbrook. So, you know, you basically had to build a roster with about $40 million that year around those three guys. Wow. Um, so, yeah, they're not, you know, they're not making any changes anytime soon. And Philly, obviously, they locked themselves in with uh, giving Horford the amount of money and years, but then Tobias Harris. So, to recap with folks, Tobias Harris, I'm pretty sure he turned down a $100 million deal from the from the Clippers uh, when they tried to give him an extension. And then Jerry West was like, oh, okay, you good? We'll trade you. And so had the balls to bet on himself. And then what is it? Yep. Five years, 100. Is he 180 or 170? 180. 180. Wow. Tobias Harris from the great state, uh, played his college basketball at Tennessee. Charles, are you? did you ever see Tobias Harris ever signing a $180 million contract ever? Um, no, but I mean, they're throwing out McDonald's numbers at this point now. So, um, shit. Yeah. I mean, he bet on himself. He won. Um, Tobias Harris is my only, uh, Facebook friend in the NBA. So you gotta give him props. Uh, <laughs> what a great factoid. I had no idea. That's excellent. That is great. So yeah, give him props. And so we know Miami. And he added me. That was the funny thing about that. Oh, that's great. That's great. So we know Miami's situation, John, now as referencing the team that was going to, that was lightning years ahead of every the Golden State Warriors. What in the world? They are, are in hell, are you telling me? And is that, did the D'Angelo Russell contract put them over the edge there? Yeah, they're, they're one of four teams that's currently in the tax. Um, Golden State, Portland, um, OKC, and Cleveland. Um, but yeah, you, you mean, you look at between Curry, Thompson, Russell, you know, those three, those three are committed through 2021, 2022. Um, and at that point, they have $132 million committed, and they still haven't done the Draymond Green contract. Jesus, so, you know, if, if, if they're going to plan on, um, you know, getting Green back, which he might take some discount, but he's still going to get $30 million, um, you're looking at $160 million. Uh, they're already in the repeater tax, so this year I believe they owe 15 million um, because they're five million over. And, and obviously, if they do re-up green, they're going to continue to be in that repeater tax. And I know they're getting a bright, shiny new stadium, but um, at, at some point, you know, they're going to reach payments of 50, 60, maybe even 100 million dollars for this tax penalty. So it's interesting. <laughs> Charles, the Golden State Warriors, next five years, while they are going to be in the repeater tank, do they ever win another finals in the next five years? I I, I keep holding out hope. I'm, I, I'm going to say yes. I think they're going to have one of those uh, oh my. one last stand kind of moments, you know, when Steph and Clay at like 33 um, on their last legs. Draymond's going to have some gray in his beard. Uh, he's going to be weighing about 310 at this point. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, um, what's still happening? Yeah, I think you I think they got one more in them. I, like I said, Eric, what are your thoughts? They got one in that new stadium. They got to put they got to put one up in that new stadium. Yeah, as far as Golden State goes, uh, I would. I think it's a fun bet to say they get at least in the next five to seven more seats. Um, I would pick yeah, gun to my head on that. And then uh, I think that new stadium is going to kind of change the dynamic a little bit as far as what they can offer people because they're going to make so much money switching over there. Um, and that's going to cover, I think, a lot of the burden that they're going to have. Um, I had one or actually two fun facts on the team, on each of the teams that were in um, cap, one in purgatory and one in hell before we don't talk about these teams anymore for a while. Please. So Bradley Beal averaged last season at 25-5-5, and five, uh, 25 points, five boards, five assists uh, the entire season. Are there any or how many active players have run that stat line in the NBA? 25. 25 points, five rebounds, five assists are the threshold. LeBron this past year? Uh, no, for guards. For guards. Excuse yep. me. Well, Russ, right? Did he get, was he at 25 points? No, he was not. He, he, he did not last year, but he's done it three times yeah. in the last five seasons. He's won. Harden's won. Harden's five years and counting. <laughs> Jesus, that got it. When we have the discussion on, there's, there's one more. He needs one ring, I think, to equate with Wade for having a conversation about which one of them are better. I really believe. I just Harden's offensive performance is through the charts. Good lord. Yeah, and there's one more guard that averages twenty-five, five and five, uh, at least once in the last five seasons. Kemba. Uh, nope. Dang. Ooh. Nope. Was it? I can't be Kyrie. Bradley Beal? No. Yeah, Beal is one. That's who the basis we're using. Yeah, Beal is one. He did it last season. Oh, okay. It's a great question. Um, did Steph get it rebounds wise? Steph. Steph did it twice. Wow. Uh, yeah, and I don't know if he did it last season. It might have been 2016 and uh, season and 2017 season. He's done it twice in the last five years. But that's it far as guards go so i guess that, that tells us is that he does not have to to make a decision on that max that was offered by washington because that's probably gonna go up he keeps that up and then the other one's a fun at least i thought so um they've had 10 seasons without lebron starting 1998 to 1999 season what's the best season they've had without lebron in those 10 seasons since 98-99 what's the most wins they've had in any one nba season Oh my! Twenty-four. It's above twenty-four. <laughs> oh, I would say thirty-one. Very close. Thirty-three. Thirty-three is correct. Their best season without LeBron in the last uh, twenty seasons, ten of which they've been without LeBron. Uh, thirty-three and forty-nine is their best season. So, and as John mentioned, they're in purgatory going forward. Not many veterans. Not many super promising young guys. So. That's uh, it's about sums it up to me. Need Darius Garland to step it up <laughs> really a little bit. Hit. Oh man, <laughs> really, really hit. <laughs> John Beeline leaving Ann Arbor for Cleveland, and we're really sure, not sure why, except for the fulfilling a challenge. But alas, <laughs> we're here. Um, and I think the one team on the list, just because of there's a lot of disparity about our feelings on this. John, if you can dive a little deeper into Portland as we were uh, about to go into uh, discussing that. Yeah, so Portland is $10.5 million over in the repeater, so their tax penalty is $17.5 million. Um, so, I mean, 
the highest paid team in the NBA now with the white side contract. Um, the good news for them is going forward, they have some more flexibility than the other teams in hell. Um, Whiteside's leaving, well, Whiteside's contract is expiring. Kent Bazemore's contract is expiring. Um, and then, you know, it'll be interesting to see. Um, I really like the draft picks of Nasir Little, and I think Anthony Simons has a pretty good future. Um, and they have both those guys locked up on cheap contracts going forward. Um, so, you know, next year things lighten up um, for them. But, you know, right now they're paying $17.5 million for what I think we all pick them as the seven or eight seed in the yeah. West. So um, that's that's tough to swallow. And uh, I would be, again, I'm, I'm team, I think, that Kevin Love is going to Portland at some point. I think that's what's in the oh. They want to make that trade. Um, they're one of the few teams that I think not only would benefit from him for this one year, of you know maybe one or two more years of productivity but they also have the contracts to do the matching salaries and so um you know i this you know i'm gonna give my predictions here um i think they picked up Whiteside to fill in till nurkic gets back and then they'll trade Whiteside for love later in this later in the year um once nurkic is back so they'll go with uh, a love and nurkic front court and the Whiteside contract um, matches the salary of love enough that they can do it and that gives cleveland another expiring and get off the love contract so that's my guess man that's great deep dive right there charles the future for portland was just as good as it was going to get this past year you think or do you have some yeah. love and do you think simon's is should be stayed or keep or what's going on I you know I'm high on on Simons. Uh, he's gonna he's gonna contribute for a lot off the bench. I just feel like they're in that they're in this like weird phase now where like they they maxed out what they could do with their potential. Now like I feel like now they're trying to throw money at the problem um, to get to like that next you know next level of of competition. And I just think I don't think that's ever worked in sports where like you got close and then you threw money at the situation. And like, I just and and the you know in the money that they threw at the situation is a sign white side. Um, that's like riding. It's like it's like having a Bentley with a donut. Like it's just like it's a really really like the the really nice you know digs with uh with McCollum and, and Dame obviously. But how far are you going with uh, this donut in in Hassan Whiteside uh as your as your fourth tire? And I I just don't see how far they're gonna get. So I think they're gonna I think they're gonna backslide a little bit. They'll still be successful, but I just don't think this is a move for them. They're they're trying to they're trying to spin like a, a big market team, and that's not their it's not their uh their mo. I was comparatively bullish on them. I think I had them at the six. Uh, I believe in their ceiling a little bit more, I think, than everyone else here. But, um, hey, they signed Paugus, their last missing piece. Uh, <laughs> he'll stabilize Whiteside and keep him going until Nurkic is back. And then they could do a twin towers. They could do a triple tower from there if the love trade doesn't go through. So they're going to be real good. No, but uh, I think they uh, I think they have enough top-end talent. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they make another Western Finals. I know that was not a popular uh, viewpoint on the last one, but they've got some guys that can pop. They've got Simons. They've got Hizonia, um, you know, those rookies, uh, Little. And then if Nurkic comes back, you know, they could either, you know, even play him together with Whiteside if worse came to worse, if Zach Collins doesn't work out. So it's obviously got good guards. So I, I'm a little more bullish on Portland even though they're not they're in an awful cap situation 
and they've got a lot of. I think they've got all their picks plus some, so they they'll, they'll have a little bit of flexibility. And if nothing else, they'll be able to just have their picks. So I'm a little bit more bullish on them. Ugh, I just don't want them to really break up CJ and Dame. I think they kind of like each other. Clearly, um, their synergy was good. CJ was incredible in Game Seven um, against Denver at Portland in the Western Conference Semifinals. Um, Dame maybe with uh, depending on Clay situation maybe they could just get the randomly right good playoff matchup. I just I just they're just I just don't think they can beat any of the top three teams. I don't think they can. I, they definitely don't have anybody who can guard AD now. Um, George Kawhi, you know, and Pat Beverly is just like oh my god, like Portland. Oof, how are you going to score on them? How are you going to score on the Clippers? Uh, and then I just don't think they have the chops for for Har- who's guarding Harden. Uh, that Portland can offer. They just don't have anybody who can go. They really don't. Um, yeah, it's it's not great. It's not great. Um, and that's why they're in hell, uh, to a degree. And Dame Lillard just... John, what did we see? He's going to... Will he pick up a $53 million? Is it in 2023? It's, uh, it's, it's $50,750,000 in 2023-24. God. Break, breaking news. Good. He's picking that up. Yes. <laughs> Good gracious. Charles, you just hear that? Just say that out loud to yourself. 50 mil, 750. Ooh, Lord. You think he's acting out, Charles? Numbers. <laughs> Why would you? That's a joke. <laughs> Why would you? <laughs> Jesus. That's a joke. Yeah. Uh, Danny may be owning a team uh, quicker than some of these other guys who showed these passions. My gosh. Man, oh, man. That, but that... The thing about that too, like we we talked about last pod, is like you once again you're giving these huge contracts and then let Dame have one off season and it, now that's a bad contract. Now you know it's a you know they sign these things and then one year later or two years later all of a sudden it's the worst contract in basketball. It's a horrible contract. But you're the one like but these are the people that gave these contracts away. It's just they're kind of they're kind of I feel like the uh, the owners and the whole NBA apparatus is kind of being hypocritical in that sense. Man, uh. Well, John, we can't thank you enough. We were so excited. We we wanted folks to be able to hear the, the capologist and uh, give a little preview of where folks are going now. This is numbers crunching time uh, for folks now that you feel like your free agents are there. We still have a few out there. Is uh, Vince Sandy still available for folks, by the way? I actually just um, saw someone saying that they think he's going to Toronto. Back home to finish <laughs> yeah. off. Ooh. So, yeah, like for, the, for the swan song. And, yeah, this, like, I didn't give why I'm down on Toronto earlier. I just, I feel like you have, what, three players, Lowry, Gasol, Ibaka, who all have come so close to champions and finally got it. And then if you throw Vince Carter in there, I feel like it's going to be a party season for them, kind mm-hmm. of just like, you know, we got to what we need. Let's uh, let's have some fun this year. Um, so, I, you know, I, 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 I'm not down. I love all those guys. I think it's a really good team. I just feel like they're going to drop more games that they shouldn't than usual. So I agree. The disease, as Pat Riley says, the disease of me. Uh, once you kind of get that ring and the way they were celebrating up there in uh in Toronto is yeah yeah it's happening. Uh, I wholeheartedly agree. Portland just a weird situation and. Um, but they are where they are, and uh, unfortunately, they probably have reached uh, their ceiling, at least in what this uh, player movement, uh, player empowerment in the LeBron-Steph Curry era. 
uh, folks. That brings us uh, to the end of the pod. Uh, the next time you hear from uh, the Brunch Club podcast with this group on the Charles Little podcast, we will be covering um, who we believe our top five GMs are, who our top five NBA head coaches, and we may allow John to use a sixth as well. Uh, everybody will get an honorable mention. And then we will also start our um, Eastern, our conference over-unders. Uh, we'll start with the Eastern Conference this time and finish with the West. Uh, with this particular group, they will be back in September. Uh, any lasting thoughts that you want to be able to share with the group as we come, as we bring a close to uh, potentially, a, obviously, basketball season and our transition with Greg Popovich and the World Cup team? Uh, Eric, we'll let you start first. Okay. Okay. Uh, shout out to summer league champion Memphis Grizzlies. <laughs> Fantastic. The future is bright. The future is bright. And I will also uh, shout out to Giannis. He is apparently only at about 60% of what he's going to be. Um, so expecting a lot more MVPs, potentially at 80s um, expense coming soon. We'll see. Okay. Uh, I think uh, I like they've also rounded out the roster with uh, – Robin Lopez and Kyle Korver to help eat up backcourt minutes. So uh, thanks again for having me. I really had a good time. Appreciate it. John, some lasting thoughts. Yeah, the Grizzlies, like, there's no, there's no player I wanted the Pistons to get more than Brandon Clark, and he somehow he fell into the 20s to the perfect team. Jesus. So, um, Jesus. So that, that young core is insane. Um, Grizzlies are definitely my second favorite team in the NBA. Um, but yeah, I just I look forward to the season. I look forward to uh, the Celtics fans failing and all these other teams who actually take chances to win championships competing <laughs> again. And me being insufferable towards all Boston Celtics fans as they deserve. So um, I, you know, I I'm in a like dynasty draft right now. I'm probably going to do like 90 more before the season starts because I can't wait. And I got to kill time somehow, so I'm I'm jazzed. Charles, we are uh, giving you a formal invitation to a dynasty fantasy basketball league. We wanted to do it on the pod. Will you accept? Uh, in the words of the great Conor McGregor, I didn't come to take part. I came to take over. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> perfect. We'll make sure we uh, get get you signed up and ready to go, and uh, we'll have a great draft for that. Uh, Charles, some uh, lasting thoughts in. Uh, as we uh, move over, as we keep going with uh, basketball life and where we're going in the future, um, I mean, first and foremost, we didn't get we didn't get the touch to it, but they can build their own stadium. Steve Ballmer can sweat through shirts, run out Paul George, run out Kawhi. It's fucking Laker Nation, baby. <laughs> <laughs> through the, we through the undertones, go, couldn't go through a pod without through the undertones. Again. You're gonna be you're gonna be listening to this to this pod on Taco Tuesday. Just know, Bron's getting ready. If you have, if you noticed through all the videos, LeBron hasn't really left the West Coast. He's been working. Just keep talking that talk. Bron's coming back with vengeance. AD's looking good. Laker Nation, man. Laker Nation. Last but not least, um, free Jeremy Lin, free Melo, <laughs> free Amari Stoudemire, free Joe Johnson, free Brian Scalabrini, free Greg Oden. That's all I got. Melo's on a yacht. <laughs> And, and, and Lala is still trying to win hot girl season no, out here. No. <laughs> Man, we could go so many different places with that on the pod. Oh, last thing, too. I know everybody saw that video of them hooping at the gym. I'll bust J. Cole's ass, but that's a whole other issue. What, you have or you would? I would. I'd tear J. Cole to bits. 
I just saw him in that pickup game the other day and was like very unimpressed. But all the Instagram hoopers generally, um, I don't think can play basketball. So that was just my one thing when I saw J. Cole hooping the other day. I was like, I'd give J. Cole the business. Locking him up, huh? Yes. Yes. He'd be, he'd be dreaming and thinking he could score on me. No. But anyway, <laughs> that was just my thought. My thought. We appreciate that, Charles. Uh, we'll shout out on that. Uh, Charles, let everybody know where they can find the pod. Uh, so we got them on Apple, Spotify, Google, all pretty much every streaming platform you can find a, a podcast on. We're, we're putting this up on. Um, check us out on Instagram at Charles Little fifteen. Boston's Instagram and Facebook or and Twitter are all different, so we don't know what they all are. We'll, we'll get them to you. <laughs> we'll make sure it's going out. No question. Yeah, we'll, we'll make sure we're getting out there to the people. Just like I said, keep listening, keep sharing, keep retweeting all that good stuff. You know, we always appreciate the support. So good times. I always enjoy this. You know, it's one of the one of the highlights of my week. So uh, yeah. That's all the basketball talk that we have. We will be coming up with some highly debated music discussion, as we will touch on that uh, during these uh, dark days of summer. And next Tuesday is a little preview. We will tackle two things as we go into August. Is why Chicago is the best summer city in the world. Uh, and then also we'll be previewing the uh, NFC North uh, with a fellow flyer. Uh, and we're excited uh, is... Charles and he will salivate over uh, the Chicago Bears and what it means to be uh, to spend some time in Chicago. Uh, a little preview for those and those uh, for folks out there. Currently appreciate you all following and listening to the pod. Can't wait to bring the uh, the Brunch Club podcast uh, to you uh, with more basketball stuff underway. Uh, we are a little less than two months away from training camps opening around the league. And until then, talk to you soon from the Charles Little Podcast. Charles sent them on their way for Monday. Holla.